Three employees of Seattle Magazine head to the scenic seaside community of Oceanview to find and profile the man behind a bizarre and hilarious classified ad looking for a partner to travel through time. Do I read all of it? Keep going. Right, right down to the, uh, the colour saturation. Um, <laughs> Darius, brackets Aubrey Plaza, the to-do list, close brackets, along with fellow intern Arno, follow Jeff, brackets Jake Johnson, new girl, the party hard boss, to profile the potential lunatic behind the preposterous proposition. Surprised I managed to read that without stumbling. Uh, tracking down the paranoid Kenneth, Mark Duplass, your sister's sister, and Zero Dark Thirty, the source of their story, Darius must then face a series of challenges to prove that she can be trusted before she finds out the real reasons behind the desire to travel through time. What this hapless three find is beyond expectation, and soon they realise that although everyone's need for change is different, the power to hope for something better is universal. A satisfyingly feel-good comedy shortlist. <laughs> really? <laughs> 15 contains strong language and sex references. All rights reserved, packaging design and all contents, 2014 Vertigo films under exclusive light. I'll stop, shall I? Greetings, time travellers. I'm Sam Clements, and welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest, live from the London Podcast Festival. Oh, I got so much power. This is great. This is a podcast that celebrates films of a 90 minute or less runtime and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today, I'm delighted to say we are joined by not one, not two, but three special guests podcasting powerhouses Helen Zaltzman and Martin Ostwick. <laughs> and I'm so excited to say we are joined by the director of today's movie, Colin Trevorrow. Please, come on down. <laughs> Lovely theme song. Yeah, Martin's just here to be recognised for the music. I wrote that theme song. It's cool, uh, isn't we it? should say that Martin wrote the theme song, and it's incredible. And uh, what a, what a, it was the first public airing of that music. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> man of man of few words. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the first time we've done a live show in in front of uh, an audience. So we're, we're pleased to have you guys on board. Hello, Helen, Martin, Colin. You're sat in different order to what's on my, my screen. Do you want us to rearrange? <laughs> yeah, we can do a little musical chess. It's, it's okay. You, you can edit out the furniture business afterwards. I think I can. I think I can cope. Thank you for joining us on stage for the first ninety minutes live pod. Helen and Martin, is this the first time you've selected a film for a cinema screening? Yes, I think so. Pretty sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. No one asks us, do they? Where would, Never. Where would you ask a podcaster to pick a film? Uh, and Colin, before today, when was the last time you watched Safety Not Guaranteed? Uh, I lost. I last saw Safety in 2012 when it came out. I don't oh, wow. watch the movies after. They come out. Wow. Uh, so that was it. That was, it was really interesting as someone uh, who is now, I guess, that was seven years ago. Is that right? Uh, seven years older, uh, I watched that movie differently. Uh, I think differently about uh, the subject of regret as an older person. <laughs> it's, it's a different film. Were you, were you happy with it? 
as a piece of work. I like it very much. I mean, it's, it's, it's painful in a lot of ways, as you can imagine, as a filmmaker. And I remember every single tiny little thing that bothered me then. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, the... no, it's like he's a little off center here. Yep, there it goes. And... So what's the, what's the smallest thing that annoys you that wouldn't annoy anyone else? Is it, is it just like, oh, that shot was... Oh, it's a million little things. There's two millimeters I mean, off, uh, the, off the, the top of my head. The bandana had the wrong pattern a, on. The three shot of the in the Escalade right as they're heading off on their adventure, and you can see the tiny string of of the camera rig that's hanging over outside, and it's going like this really, really fast. And so my oh. eye just goes directly to it, and no one's gonna. <laughs> and no one knows what happens. Any contributors scene. that can go in the blooper section. <laughs> God, seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars does not buy you a paint out of a tiny string that's going like this. <laughs> well, that's ruined it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a lot, not a lot of money to make a proper film. I'm not a film person. But no, it depends on if you think it's a proper film. Uh, <laughs> Do we think it's, it's a proper film? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, no, $750,000 is about uh, the, really the bare minimum, uh, especially with, you know, with the amazing cast that we had. And uh, that whole group had not really uh, risen to the, the level of notoriety that they are now at. Uh, so we just managed to get uh, some pretty incredible people to come together. It's a really good cast. Yeah, it was a very special like even time. Even the small roles, there's like... Kristen Bell. Kristen was, yeah, that was actually something that Mark Duplass was able to do for us uh, as a gift. He, he knew Kristen, and and so she came in. We wanted that character. The, the ideal would be that that actor would be famous. So when you know when you see right, you know, right. this, this notorious Belinda, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> she's real. And uh, so that was, that was uh, it was, uh, I have a lot of good memories. I'm going to be very uh, sentimental uh, over the course of this podcast. And how much does a time machine cost? That one. <laughs> Uh, that was actually a Burning Man installation. That, that, <laughs> it's true. It's oh, that's true. really ruined it for me. Now. Uh, it was. It was so that the whole centerpiece was a Burning Man installation that was then put inside uh, an old uh, Navy boat. They used to put a bunch of those boats next to each other to, to make a bridge that the tanks could drive over. And there was one that was just right. sitting in the harbor in Seattle uh, that we were able to buy for you know a couple hundred dollars. Uh, and every one of those pieces, it was just like this junkyard, uh, you know, amalgam of, of various times. And the only direction was I don't want any technology that's, you know, post 1970, I think 75. Uh, and it was, it was a bunch of, a bunch of these bunch of crazy guys and girls who, who weld stuff together and, and, you know, make sculptures and they made this thing and, uh, it, it's gone now. They had to take it apart because they borrowed so many pieces that they had to give it all back. Uh, which I would have that on my lawn if I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got just the right amount of uh, spinning dials and, and moving sort of like just to look very homemade, which is perfect. It does have a, it does like a, uh, how it kind of feels like it's a nod to the kind of classic time, the time machine, you know, with the big spinny wheel or. Yeah, there's little, little do... nods to all of the different uh, time machine technologies from various films that he probably watched. You know, he owns yeah. like the kind of DeLorean he can afford, which is an old yellow yeah, dots right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> and then he's got you know the time machine has that gyroscope on the back of it and yeah, all yeah. those pieces martin you're a physicist do you <laughs> i have reckon a you could, in physics That's yeah cool. do you reckon you could build a time machine um i think i'd struggle what is the point of that phd i'll give it a, yeah I, I, <laughs> I mean i've asked that myself that many times <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask, you have a time travel consultant on this film, Colin. I do. Um, and that's the guy who put the classified ad in, right? That's right. That's John Silvera, who, oh. who originally wrote the classified ad that was in Backwoods Home magazine. Uh, and that's how this thing became a meme uh, in the first place. It was like the first meme. It was before 
that happened every day. And uh, someone else had added this guy with a mullet uh, from a high school yearbook. And Derek saw that. It was right at the point when um, you know he and I had been writing together for a while. And we, we had these agents who sat us down. And they were like, look, the only way anyone's going to get any work in this business is if you walk down the street, uh, walk, down, you'd walk down the hallway of Walmart or, or Toys R Us and uh, find a product, find a toy, and then write a screenplay about that. And then they'll make it. And we're like, we're going to kill ourselves. And that, that, is, that is the most depressing thing we've ever heard. And we were standing on the parking garage uh, at the agency. And Derek thought to, he said, you know, I, I've, uh, there's this thing, there's this meme that I love. And, and to people like us, that's a brand. I mean, a brand is something you see every day and that you recognize. And so what if we make, you know, what if we declare that a brand and make a movie about that? Uh, and that's where it all came from. I'm pleased you chose that and not like lolcats. Or, that cat, or the one playing the piano or something. People it would have been much less good movie. <laughs> would have made the agents happier, I'm sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so what uh, was John Silvera's intention with the original ad? How Did he achieve time travel? John, I, I, the, I mean, the true story, I don't know. Like, John That's is, uh, Backwoods Home Magazine is, is very uh, earnestly looking to prepare uh, essentially survivalists for the coming apocalypse that seems very america based uh, this apocalypse and so there's they, a lot of ads for where you can buy guns and cans of food and and ways to protect yourself uh, and he is the editor of this magazine and it's it's up it's in uh, Oregon and uh, one day when he needed to fill a little bit of extra space he wrote this ad uh, and it just turned into this thing he actually <laughs> is the first uh, of all of the people who come to the mailbox in the very beginning Kenneth is the third John is the first one uh, the, the guy with the, the gray beard Oh, yeah. Nice. Right, right, right. <laughs> and how, I mean, this film is much more than a classified ad. How did you take that ad and, and flesh out this universe? Because there's some really heartfelt uh, stories here and lots of jokes. You know, it's a really mm -hmm. rich universe, all in under, eight, uh, in under 90 minutes, 86 minutes long. Um, you know, it really, I, I realized just in watching again today how much of a collaboration it was uh, between all of uh, those people, the actors uh, as well. And, you know, Derek wrote the original script and then Derek and I, uh, you know, constructed something that we, we felt could make a movie together as partners. And then Mark Duplass came in and, and injected all kinds of heart into it. And then, uh, you know, Jake Johnson was able to channel the, the ultimate douchebag and, <laughs> and bring a lot of like really you know, original ways to be an asshole that we never would have occurred to us. Uh, he and, does take almost every opportunity, doesn't he? He really does. No, I, I, I we were mentioning any moment. There. Yeah, he's just kind of the worst. And I think he's actually, he's, he's worse now than he was in 2012. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think because now you can't really be that sexual with your interns without. Yeah, probably uh, not a good consequence. Idea. I mean, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, and it, but it doesn't. If anything, like I, I might. If I'm sentimental for anything, it's for a time uh, in which you could have a character uh, be terrible without that reflecting on the filmmakers or feeling like the filmmakers are also terrible for having a character like that. And I love taking someone who's so such a dick. Sorry, kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and letting him, uh, you know, both open himself up and, and break himself down and realize how empty he is and being able to, to travel uh, with him on that journey. Uh, it was something that's it's very, it was very engaging to watch for me. Do you feel like he comes out of the film a better person or just about the same? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I think slightly better because he, he, in a way, is trying to time travel as well because he's still mm. stuck in the past and he sort of put a lid on that. Mm. 
Mm. So maybe he can develop as a human being. I mean, not into a great one, but into maybe a slightly better one. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, he's someone who's who he has a real sadness in him uh, mm. that becomes uh, more clearly tied to the theme of the movie and, and the subject matter of the movie as it goes along. It's also something I was really interested in as I watched it, and that you don't really see how these two things are related at first, and then it really becomes well, he's he's really on a personal time travel journey of his own, and that was something that really uh, evolved over the course of of making of just making the film with all these really smart people and also he's got a great story now he seems very excited at the end when there's a time machine and then, <laughs> yeah. and then as a journalist he gets to go and write that well i think he seems like someone who probably put that part of him away and, and isn't you know is isn't really willing to to show that that earnest uncynical side of himself because that's just not really the world he traffics in anymore so to yeah. be able in that one moment to uh to throw it cast it all aside and and be you know be a little kid again was probably really cathartic for him i mean i think even being pretty open towards mark duplass's character and his intent it wasn't until the, like the last 30 seconds of the, of the film that i expected it actually to be a time time machine yeah. that worked because <laughs> yeah. like, i was like oh this is a oh this is a science fiction film <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the intention and you know part of it you know that probably connects to why it's so short as well like there were there were the the resources were so limited we shot it uh, in 20 days, you know, four weeks of, of filming. Oof. And, you know, as an example of how fast we went, uh, that whole sequence when he steals the lasers uh, start to finish was one night, one my first day of shooting a film ever. And I shot <laughs> all of that in that amount of time. And you'd think, like, maybe from a scheduling standpoint, we could have started with just people talking. Uh, but no, instead, we, we went in hot. And uh, that was the speed we had to move at. But it, it kept this energy uh, on the film that's actually really hard to maintain on, on larger films because you know people are being brought from their trailers and you haven't seen them in several hours as we do these massive lighting setups and there everybody was just around all the time and you know we were all eating the same food we had some like turkey slices and carrot sticks and and that that kind of uh, energy is is something that uh, I, I, I just really cherish it's amazing do you miss that and being able to operate with that amount of efficiency uh, I do. We, we try to be efficient in the context of whatever it is that we're doing, and we try to recreate that spirit as much as possible. But you're right. Like there's just this this natural inability for for everyone to be that close because you're not all sharing that that same crappy hotel that they're no. in. No, the you can't. You can't <laughs> put dinosaurs in a room together because they'll tear each other apart. Exactly. Well, you know, we try. I mean, we did a we did a, I did a short film this year uh, for Jurassic, and we shot it in five days, and we were in Ireland, and and the process of doing that was closest to doing safety not guaranteed of anything that I've experienced because we we were all in the same hotel and we would all go down to this single location and 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 try to do something cool and fun together but uh, it'll never be like that again I'm gonna I'm gonna you, single you tear in time <laughs> that's a somber a somber note to uh, finish on <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask about the cast because it's incredible and all of these people have gone on like got Kristen Bell in there Aubrey Plaza is incredible how did you assemble this fantastic cast and I guess to Martin and Helen when you first saw the film way back when 2012 is the cast what spoke to you yeah I mean it started with Aubrey because Aubrey and I shared a manager at the time and uh, and then Jake and I were good friends. We, we've been friends for a long time before either of us, you know, made any headway in, in this business at all. And 
And so I had, we had the two of them. And then uh, we went to Mark Duplass as at the moment, you know, Mark was, was and he, he's very successful now, but he's, he's done so many different things at that time. It was just the Mumblecore. Uh, movement and mumblecore if, if you haven't heard that term before is was called that because uh, the budget was so low that you just couldn't hear anything anyone was saying <laughs> so they, they made a name for it but Mark's theory it was it was a bit connected to Dogma 95 you know to Lars von Trier and the celebration and all those movies and the theory was that you know you don't need all of the of the lights and the, and the bells and the whistles and what matters is 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 emotion and, and the connection between characters and and by bringing him on as a producer uh, and then casting him as Kenneth, we were able to go to a financier and say, look, we're going to make you a mumblecore movie. And his last mumblecore movie had cost $750,000. So I said, okay, if you can give us the same, we'll give you one of those. And they were like, great. Uh, and then I just quietly went and tried to make a real movie with that same amount of money. <laughs> um, and it is, and Karin also Karin Sony, who you see everywhere now, mm. like he's in Deadpool, mm. he's everywhere. Uh, Karin was still in college at UCLA and he was his first audition ever. Uh, and he came in and we were like, it's this guy. And there were a lot of, I mean, there are people who are on, you know, major sitcoms who auditioned for that part. And it was Karin and he's gone. He's like Paul Feig's muse now. He's in like everything Paul does, Mm. uh, and, and a bunch of people. Uh, so it was very, that's something that I, I get a great, uh, great thrill out of a great sense of pride to be able to find someone who's talented and introduce them to, to the world. I find it really hard to imagine this one without Aubrey Plaza playing the lead in it because she's really good at playing it with such conviction. Like I think both her and Mark Duplass, their characters um, have a lot of conviction, him in the time travel and her in the weirdness. Mm-hmm. Like she can just really commit to the weirdness of it. Um, so they're quite earnest. And then you've got Jake Johnson being not earnest. Um, well, hmm. Derek did write it for her because uh, it was it all happened during a very short period of time. And he she she just represents, you know, a, a kind of character, a kind of personality that I think we all know someone like that. There's a, there's that's kind of become a, you know, a thing. But she was the first time that we'd ever seen anything like it. And, and she was so unique and so special. Uh, and so to be able to, to craft a character that. Uh, you know, around somebody like that uh, was it was something I thought Derek did very well, and you know I, I can't see her as any other character anymore. She's just <laughs> she's just Darius. She's really good at the humor, but she also sells those emotional scenes. The, the scene with her mom and the chocolate milk mm-hmm. when she's telling that story, it's it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really nice the way that you made because when I first heard her tell that story, I was like, is that real? Is he t- is she telling him that because she needs to tell him a story? And then back in the hotel room, she tells. Uh, the other characters a completely different story mm-hmm. and that made me think oh maybe that was the the truth that is actually what happened that was a nice little bit of like like way to 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 tell the audience that yeah that's the true story yeah it was something i know i feel like on a you would get that would get noted out of there now like i feel like <laughs> being able to leave things uh up to a bit of audience interpretation even what happens you know with with belinda and did he really crash his car into her house or was that all made up what was the lie what was the truth i think there's probably maybe a couple different answers that you can come up with as an audience member i have mine but it doesn't mean that it's right and i think that in you know in the kind of you know the larger movies that we make now you you know clarity is really the the one note that yeah. everybody seems to be able to give uh, is I just don't understand this well enough. Let's let's add a line. You know, let's add an ADR line that <laughs> clarifies that. And like uh, like it, it was just so great to be able to not have to do that. Yeah, that would really trash this film because one of yeah. the things that I enjoy about it is that uh, all through my idea about what is believable then gets upended. Mm-hmm. 
it makes me really stressed. There's so much, <laughs> there's so much deceit in this film. Like at the beginning, I'm like, I remember the, uh, watching it for a second time is a little different, but the first time I watched it, I remember thinking like, is he dangerous? Like, is mm-hmm. is she safe to be in these situations situations with a strange guy who clearly has odd ideas about about the world? And then it went through, and it almost immediately pivoted to like, oh, she's lying to him, and he seems like a really sweet guy, and like she she's continuing to. So like, I don't normally enjoy that degree of tension in the movie because the whole time I was like, ah. Um, but it's like the way that pays off at the end is so satisfying that it feels worth the eight, preceding 89 minutes of... Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> its, its own thing, that movie. I mean, just just have, watching it again now, and that's something I'm, you know, I've, I've never felt uh, more clearly than now. Like, I don't think there'll ever be another movie exactly like that just because it's it's weird. Uh, and it doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't feel like uh, anything else uh, that we've seen, but not in the traditional way. It's just like it's its own weird animal, uh, which right on its own weird animal. I, I like as well that for most of it, you think, oh, he's paranoid and he thinks people are surveilling him and following him. And then they really are. Yeah. No, he's right. I, I think, you know, uh, there are so many. Um, I think everybody kind of knows somebody who's a little bit crazy uh, if, if it's just not you. Uh, yourself. <laughs> uh, if you don't know someone, then it probably is you. It's probably you. <laughs> uh, and I and I think to be you know we to be able to take all of our you know anxieties and paranoias and things that we just naturally feel and put them all into one character uh, and then reinforce some of them and and disprove others. It was it was fun. I would say quite a lot of the government agents don't really know what's going on. They're just like <laughs> we need to follow this guy because he's like stolen some lasers. Yeah, but they don't actually know what. Beyond that, they don't know what the hell's happening. We just felt that was like the worst assignment ever for those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the hotel, they like, really oh, when do we get to go home? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Maybe they're not very good agents, so they get the rubbish assignments. Yeah, it feels like a punishment for them to be <laughs> sent after. I suppose if uh, you were making it now, then um, Kenneth might be one of those people where uh, he's sort of saying the thing about time machines, and you're going, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, sure, sure." And then he's like, "And the government is lizard people." Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you just have to sort of carry on agreeing with them just so you don't really have to deeply engage. Yeah, I, it's also, you know, it, I really do think it's a movie that exists only in 2012, like on so many levels. Mm. Uh, I think these, you know, it's beyond the fact that now that, you know, it, it felt like a pre-internet movie, like they write for a magazine. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, the magazine's got resources for them to go and spend what weeks in yeah, yeah, they're paying for all this time. we actually remember when reviews came out uh, some people some people mentioned that like i read it in the magazine no one's going to pay for me to go for a week uh with two other people at a hotel although they are sharing a room out of season so and, yeah, and he <laughs> has this uh, the, the the established relationship with the editor which presumably has got him a bit of leverage to yeah. go on a trolley a, a, a lo- last week we stayed in a not especially salubrious motel in um sort of the middle of nowhere in uh, Washington state and it was about $80 a night. So, yeah. so I mean, budgetary, maybe they could stretch to that. There was um, in, <laughs> in Martin's nightstand drawer, there was a, a gun manual. It was, <laughs> it was a gun brochure. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this was last week? You yep. lived this movie just last week? <laughs> yeah. yeah, although it was inland. Wow. That was the only difference. Okay. Yeah. What was your assignment? I can't tell you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a really... I've got a really specific question, Councilman, a really specific question. Martin, why don't you ask your really okay. specific question? <laughs> why did you choose the zither? Why didn't he like whip out an acoustic guitar and like Could he already play the point? zither or did he have to do no, months of training? He learned how to play the zither. Wow. So you specific, why did you, 
what did you make it's him just, learn how to play the zither? Derek being very specific. I think, <laughs> I think it was in the script that it was, it, it might have called it something slightly different, but yeah. yeah, Mark went and learned how to play that in his hotel room and he came out. You know, there was a song written by Ryan Miller uh, from the band Guster, which is a great band if you guys like uh, good music. And he. Uh, they, they did most of the soundtrack, right? His he band did the whole soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, he wrote this song and, and when Mark played it live and we had like, you know, everything, we had like. I don't think we did more than three takes ever. He's a beautiful singer. Yeah, he did a Isn't great he job. nice? You can't have that character pull out a guitar by a campfire because everyone would just be like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be a guitar. I knew that. Yeah, don't want to be the guitar campfire a... wanker. No. I've got a miniature toy piano. I'm going to play the song. <laughs> <laughs> the, the soundtrack is incredible. And hearing it on the speakers in here, it, was, it sounded so good. It sort of adds another layer of production value to you know, what mm -hmm. you say is a very... Uh, low-budget film. Has Ryan Miller ever done anything like this before? That was his first full score, I think. Uh, and he's done other scores since. And he's, you know, Guster's got a bunch of great albums, if you guys don't know that music. And, and it does have... Um, we the I think the what we were after was we wanted it to sound like a, just a band of Muppets playing a bunch of instruments and uh, and it does like there's just all kinds of weird sounds in there and it, it isn't perfectly recorded and, at all and it it has and we did it in a barn in Vermont where where I, I lived at the time uh, and mixed it up there so everything uh, really does just have this this down home kind of sound to it which I really like. Mm. Did you go to Ryan because you're a fan? It sounds like you're a fan of Guster. It was, was it just sort of dream composer casting? We both lived in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, and we, uh, so you're we were, like, you're the most convenient composer. Yeah, like you're here. Uh, no, we met right when I moved there. I moved there uh, when I was about 32, uh, and I'm now, uh, as of yesterday, 43. It was a long time ago. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, uh, and so he was one of the first people I met while I was there, and I said, I'm, you know, I'm making this indie movie, and I love your music. Do you want to? get together and do this thing and uh you know that that is how a lot of these things come together it's like relationships form and, and like-minded highly functional crazy people are, are attracted to each other like magnets and and that's what happens it sounds like you the whole production was this family working together you know sort of cliched i guess with movie production but doing this in 20 days is really impressive do you still keep in touch yeah, I mean, well, Jake and I have always been great friends, and we still are. And and Mark and Aubrey and I, like, they're all of us. I mean, obviously, Derek and I are, are you know, have been writing partners and have done many movies together. But um, and I, I hear from Karen. I, I feel like everybody uh, who was involved, uh, it's it's something that they all hold it in a very warm place. Like the, this movie, uh, it's like Mark says in the film. You know, it's a time and a place. And and the movie itself, we were making. He he just did that in that moment. So that was from him. Uh, and I felt like he was he was recognizing how how very special that was. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't I won't speak for everyone else, but I, I feel like the very, you know, that that act of of not regret, but just looking back and, and recognizing that, you know, you're only a certain age once and things are only going to be that way for a short period of time. It's, it's never been clearer that, that that was that time for us. And then to sort of make have that intimate experience making this film on that low budget in that tight timescale for it to go to Sundance and it become this hit and it got its global distribution. But what do you remember of that that year of release? Because it was sort of staggered release across different territories. And yeah. I think at is the time, is it global? I thought like I feel like a lot of people can't even get it. <laughs> uh, maybe it was just here in the US. I remember we got it on Boxing Day. You did. In the yeah, UK. that was great. Well, I remember uh, I came here and, and Vertigo, who released it, that was really my first. And now I live here, so that was my first experience in England. Uh, well, you were like, they're into safety, not guaranteed. I'll move I'm here. Going to move here. <laughs> Excellent taste. I'll take it. Uh, I, yeah, we had a great night. We went out to a 
pub in Camden and and uh, everyone got smashed and uh, on, on Boxing Day. Uh, no, not on the day. The thing was open. <laughs> That's fine. On I, Boxing Day. I wasn't here when it came out. I was here, and it was right because I remember Gareth. They released Gareth Edwards' movie mm. Monsters uh, also, like right around yeah. the same time. So I met right, Gareth, right, right. Uh, and it was that I remember the period of time after Safety came out actually was released in the theaters, which was a little later than it was at Sundance. I got to go to all of these film festivals, um, and and to be able to to meet other filmmakers and you know I went to Israel and and Sweden and uh, everywhere in Taiwan and uh, that was this very very and I missed you know I didn't see my family a lot this is my family down front uh, <laughs> it was this little period of time uh, before I, I I went into a very you know different period of life with a totally different set of responsibilities uh, as you know on a professional level uh, and I just I really had this sense that this time was special and I'm just going to enjoy this for what it is because it's not always going to be like this and it'll change it'll be complicated just like all adult lives get and boy was I right <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, so do you, you mentioned monsters is that a film like you sort of like did you feel like it was like a kind of peer to this movie when it came out there were I mean they were similarly budgeted almost like that movie was made for also nothing and and mm. Gareth's a you know he's a VFX guy so he was able to to have you know we, I think we have six VFX shots in this movie uh you know he's just an artist when it comes to that but there was you really had to make the time machine disappear because you couldn't afford to fake it yeah we couldn't even move it <laughs> from there uh, that you know there was a moment where there was a lot of indie film uh, before we were I feel like now if you make an indie film you can you can have it look pretty great you know, mm -hmm. for for the consumer level cameras that are available, I mean, our iPhone now is probably of uh, as good a quality as the cameras we were shooting this on. We didn't have 4K, you know, at, mm -hmm. at the time. So uh, it seems like now, you know, uh, movies look any movies traditionally look pretty good compared to that little period of time where we weren't really on film anymore, but we didn't have great great digital. And there's just there's stuff in here where I it, it was hard. It was hard for me. <laughs> oh God. I read a thing on the on the Wikipedia page that said uh, for this film you were going for the the Hal Ashby look. Is that right? That you used lenses to make it? And I, I didn't. Not being a filmmaker, I didn't know what that meant. And I wondered. Well, <laughs> uh, the, at the uh, the lenses that I got. I mean, I got cinema lenses on digital cameras. That was. I didn't get paid for the movie at all because they were gonna whatever it was they were gonna give me. I I gave it back and was like, just give me. Let me let me have a selection of lenses instead of just the one. Right. Right. Uh, Did so you we, get to keep them? No, they don't let you keep them. <laughs> but we got a, we got a really nice you know set that that um, and they were old. They were just they were from that era, you know. So we got uh, just some beautiful glass from you know the early '70s that gave the digital. You know, it doesn't look like a traditional digital uh, production, especially of that era. And even though I'd say maybe 20% of it, like kind of falls apart and doesn't look great to me. There's a lot of stuff to me. I'm, I, uh, but a lot of it, like it has a a real identity it only looks like itself there's not another movie that looks like that movie and that's what i would want every movie uh that i make to have where if you see one clip of it you're like oh that's that's its own mm. its own thing when you decide to do something like that is it hard to sell it in or is this sort of below the budgetary threshold where people are questioning choices like that usually when it comes to anything it's just about money like if i'm saying hey this this amount that you had said you were going to pay you're not going to put it in my pocket you're going to put it over here because it's worth to me worth that money um i don't know if my family would have agreed at the time <laughs> but uh it was it was worth that money to to make sure that this i would have shot it on film if i could i wanted to and we, we talked about it for a little while and it just became absolutely impossible so if we couldn't uh, i was going to do it this way i've been able to shoot film for everything i've done since i remember at the time uh like 
the audience really responded to this and maybe it was because there wasn't quite uh, films quite similar to this in, in cinemas but um, there was like merchandise and a website for this film there was like Arno t-shirts and yeah. baseball caps which feels really unusual for an indie movie it is yeah I, th yeah. I think that there's I think that this was also pre pre meme era I feel like now every day we find a new thing like that but this was of a time when a like indie movies that went to Sundance that cost 750 grand were still released in theaters and I feel very very lucky that it was made during that time because I don't see this movie being anywhere but straight to, to Netflix at this point uh, the cost of marketing a movie like that will so so outstrip and overshadow uh, the cost of making it that how much it would have to make uh, would make it impossible uh, so I just I, I'm glad I was born when I was and started making films when I was so something like this being in a movie theater is even possible after this film came out you've been pretty busy <laughs> um, do you still find time to go to the cinema to watch movies to, to keep up to date uh, with new releases I do. I, you know, I, I watch a lot of movies with my kids. So if, it, if you can't see it as, as either a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old, the odds I'm going to the theater are less. But mm -hmm. if something, you know, I, saw, I was able to see the Tarantino when I was in, uh, in Vermont. We were visiting our house because we actually just sold our, our Vermont house yesterday. And so we're all remembering that time. And we got to go back in the summer. And I had that, that you know, I, I live here. I live out, uh, you know, in the West, you know, going to the theater there, it's a little different than in America. You go in the parking garage and it's, it's, I, it's, it's a little bit more of an event. Whereas like in Vermont, I would be able to leave like right when the trailers start and I just <laughs> roll up and there's nobody there. And I walk in with my sandals and, <laughs> and watch a movie. And I got to do that with once upon a time in Hollywood. And, Did your kids enjoy that Tarantino film? <laughs> yes, they really loved it. <laughs> uh, and Helen Martin, you guys, you make five podcasts. Uh, Answer me this, the illusionist song by song, Veronica Mars investigations in the year of the bird oh, yeah. how do you find time do you like do you see movies uh in the cinema do you well go? i was uh working at uh, 4 30 this morning so um, <laughs> it's a good time it's a good time no you don't get to absorb nearly as much culture due to the podcast which is a shame i'm trying to remember what the last film we saw was but um, this we... oh that's true yeah yeah I was, i'm very jet lagged <laughs> We went to see Booksmart. That was the last thing we saw yeah, in that cinemas. Was, that was enjoyable. Uh, in Australia, so ages later than everyone else saw Booksmart. Yeah. And, and Colin, are you a, a podcast listener? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I've been I've been listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast uh, a bit, um, and I heard I listened to Serial for a little while. I've 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 heard uh, some. I don't. I have like a little. I have a drive to work every morning. That's about twenty five minutes uh, to Pinewood, uh, and that's my time to to listen to various things. But I've been listening to, to music and, and back and forth what are the uh what are the podcasts that you would recommend for me that are amazing um have you heard george's podcast that's the name of the podcast george's podcast <laughs> no, it's called have you, the podcast is called have you heard george's podcast okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, did, they did a show last weekend i think um do you want to what's your favorite helen oh, i'm just trying to think of ones that colin might enjoy though get me and um, yeah um, you should listen to imaginary advice as well imaginary but, advice yeah because that's sort of like films made by one man and in audio only, oh, and cool. slightly in the in the way of like beat poetry, and make it sound worse than it is. <laughs> it's very, it's, it's really fun. It's you know which good. one I really like, which I've listened to is uh, it's called Everything Is Alive. You've heard that? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. 
uh, where you know it's I play for my kids. There's the interviews with various inanimate objects, so they interview like a, a lamppost or you know a bowl of cereal, and it's, it's it's like surprisingly emotional at times and really existential and and pretty awesome. He's about to be on my show. You should listen to that episode. So you should tell him. I, I called him and told him how much I love it. I I'm a big fan. He He'll, said to say hi. All right. <laughs> uh, I had some questions about the uh, the choice of uh, seaside town in Washington because there's mm -hmm. quite a few bleak towns mm -hmm. in that area like how uh, do you choose the level of appropriate bleakness to niceness it was a, it was a it really was like well this is the one you can get and okay. we're like all right, right we're right. gonna make it work everything at that level is is hopefully we find something that works and we got very lucky in certain ways on the movie and that we you know we found that amazing old truck that wasn't a piece of set deck that's just oh. what it is and it was supposed <laughs> to be in a tree and we were out scouting for that lake and I saw this truck, like, it's that, we're going to do that. And, uh, it's same in the town. Like they had, you know, some, some pretty cool, the big, you know, uh, jaws of the shark. And the, there were certain things oh, that, yeah, that was cool. you know, it was just, it's just weird Americana. And, uh, it, it really, you know, that particular part of the world, I'm from Oakland, which is, you know, near San Francisco. And yet, you know, the Pacific Northwest, once you, you know, we're kind of taught to really not like Los Angeles when we're growing up, but everything that's North of, of San Francisco, you know, is, is team, Team Pacific Northwest, and so I just consider all of that to be just the most amazing part of the world, and I love it so much. Just really have that feel of it. Like we've been to the Pacific Northwest. I'm wearing an, uh, an Oregon t-shirt. Mm -hmm. Couldn't find a Washington t-shirt, but like it does have that feel of it. Like you, all of those shots of like the kind of mossy trees, mm -hmm. and and it just has that kind of Pacific Northwest and the vibe. Ocean is, it? It's got like the Goonies kind of rocks and that vibe too. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, that was you know same. Oh, the, rock, rock. The, the the waves splashing against the rock. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, it's yeah. not very far away, is it, from where the Goonies was shot? No, it was actually very close. And those were obviously, I mean, you can tell this movie was made by, you know, people who grew up at a certain time. <laughs> who have all of the references that are in it. Like, you know, we, we're just, we're children of the 80s and you can't get that out of us. That's I did, I was another a bit of storytelling I really enjoyed when uh, he's talking about how you can't change history. And he's like, well, you can't do the, go back in time and tell people the cheat codes for yeah. uh, Commando, is it? For Contra. Contra, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it like, I thought that was quite nice because you didn't know why he was going back in time, but it established exactly when he was going to go back in time by that uh, oh, little totally. exchange. But thing. anyone who grew up during that time knows up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, BSR. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's just, it's part of your language. The, uh, in in the, that landscape, you have the training montages, which are a lot of fun to watch. Were they quite fun to shoot? Yeah, and we, we just sort of picked pieces up along the way. Everywhere we would go, we would just say, okay, like, you know, if, if we have an extra 20 minutes, we're going to grab a little bit of training montage. Drop and give me 50. Yeah, just do it, <laughs> push, do it. And, and there was that little bit that, that shot on a different kind of camera that looks, you know, that home video part, which is really just, we had a day, and I just sent Mark out to the house with another crew and, and just, do just like, direct yourself all day and, and do some crazy stuff and be this character. And he just came back with gold. I mean, even that the very thing that ends the movie, movie is him on that day like that interview that he did yeah uh, he just he just went full method and and just was kenneth uh you know mm. for 10 hours and and that i mean i i'm not even sure if the the movie would be what it is without that single day so like having a, a brilliant actor who's a writer and just setting them free to to do their thing without any restrictions is but then if anyone can self-direct and do a film in a day it's a duplass brother yes <laughs> i knew what i had absolutely yeah, maybe not everyone can can <laughs> can do it, but no, he he was hilarious and great. What? This is a horrible question, so you can just refuse to answer. I think you get one pass. Like, what are the things the all the characters where you're just like, oh, I wouldn't like I wouldn't write the character that way now, or 
that like you were saying that um jeff seems like a more terrible person than sure is there anything else where you just like maybe i'll tell that a different way or yeah i think there's a lot of things we just probably it felt very 2012 to me like there was that one joke where you know the, the where he stops and he's like i don't want to get out of the car and he's like what are you racist and I feel like, yeah, I, I get the joke, but we, I wouldn't, I would yeah, do that. Right, right, right. You know, it, it yeah. just seems like we're, yeah, I, I think that's a, a very you know, positive development of, of the past five to six years. We've For just sure. all come like, we've become so much more aware of how everything makes everybody feel like on a, on a fundamental level. And I think our, our, our empathy are, has, has shot up in a lot of ways. That's very positive. That I sounds think. like a good thing. I think so. I mean, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of people who are still trying, struggling to catch up on the empathy front. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, I think overall, uh, you know, that's, that's been a very good thing. Flipping that around, is there a scene that you're particularly proud of seeing it now? Like, oh my God, I cannot believe we did that in that time frame with that budget. Yeah, I, th- I think the ending is, is for, I mean, that was one day that we had that, that time machine in the water. Uh, and I asked for, a, I could get a crane one day on the whole shoot. So I asked for a crane that one day. Uh, and you can tell it's all up over everywhere. And uh, <laughs> I can only see and, the tops of people's heads. Yeah. No, um, but there, and I remember they had kind of an intervention with me at, it wasn't the end of it. And I, it was before we did other stuff for that location. And I'd spent the whole day just getting these very, very specific shots, the profile with the wind blowing in her hair and like these lens flares. And it seemed for any other movie that's, that's kind of basic, but for this to like to, to coordinate all of those things, even to have a fan, uh, was a big deal uh and at the end of that day i remember everyone you know the producers everyone sitting me down in, in the bar at the hotel we were all staying in and being like look like we you know we went over a bit today like we can't if we keep going this way you know we're never gonna be able to finish and i just i really really felt like what we gotten was something really special uh and as i watch it again today i mean it's it's so it's just kind of shocking for suddenly it's like you're in a world with a different set of rules all of a sudden the minute you yeah. get down to that lake uh, and the rest of the movie is is so kind of rudimentary and, and indie and, and it has these mumble core elements and then suddenly you're like well wait magic is possible in this movie <laughs> yeah. that how is how could that be and so that That's part I'm, I'm very proud of and i just like it's just people, people kissing on a time machine is like the most romantic thing i could <laughs> possibly imagine i love it uh, Helen and Martin, was there a particular scene that resonated with you that you uh, you enjoyed? I really like the first time that um, that Darius and Kenneth really have a conversation. It feels like quite it, when they're in the um, supermarket and it feels really so noirish funny. and it's really really funny. And then they're in this supermarket scene with loads of soup tins. Yeah, <laughs> and she's like stroking the cans of carrots. Yeah. I love that, that is I love that's a hundred percent Derek Connolly. That scene that's like pure uh, Derek straight into the veins. I'm sorry uh, to not have chosen one of your scenes. No, no, it's all right. The only thing, well, I directed, I was there. Uh, but the only thing I added was the moment where she puts the can up on the top and like stares right at him. But, uh, but that's what's great about writing with your friend and someone you know so well is I felt like I could, I could just direct it the way Derek would want it, which made me happy. I love that uh, line where he says, hey, do I know you're not working for them or something like that? And she says, I've n- she says, I've never worked for anyone in my life. Because <laughs> 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 it's true. She's been to is there a lot of uh, like Aubrey-isms in this? Uh, I, I really like um, when she's in the van, when Kenneth's going in to break into the facility, mm-hmm. and she starts singing, like, why yeah. are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Was that something that was in the script? No, that was totally her. <laughs> uh, that was definitely her. Uh, yeah, everybody had their, you know, their contributions uh, all the way through, and I, and I think the, that moment when um, Jake Johnson is, is, is with Karen and they're in the lobby and he's popping his collar and putting his sunglasses on, like, 
that was all him. That was just the two of those guys together. And, you know, we had it set up and, and he just, you know, you look like a pilot, like a pilot that flies jets. That's all. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, all Jake. That's the one scene where Jeff isn't a raging bellend at some point. Exactly. It's when nice he knew he have. had to get there, you know, he, he had this moment where like, we've somehow redeemed this guy. <laughs> somehow. Uh, and, and I love that he, you know, he, he dials into the, you know, you're not going to be 21 your whole life. Like you really see why he's, why he's sad. And uh, look like a douche was... now while you still have a chance. Yeah, really have a chance. <laughs> it's, him, it's him being a good guy in his own way. It's best he possibly can. For me, I really love the scene with the ear because it's just so complex. Like she's kind of being rude to this kid on another table. And then you see his vulnerability and like it's dealing with sort of disability and differentness. Mm-hmm. I think in a, like it's really threading the needle. Like that scene mm-hmm. is really on the edge. It could go either way and it. It's really definitely done. How, how do you make him look like he's wearing a prosthetic ear? We really did. He had a prosthetic ear that was over uh, something that we put over his real ear. And like every now and then we got to do something the way that you would do it because it was so, it was one shot. It was so targeted and focused. Did he wear it for the whole of the shoot? No, just that one shot. So the rest uh, of the time it's his real ear. Yeah, even the scene after. We, just, we have her head in front of it. And, and <laughs> you know, we really, you know, we'd have to go out of our way to. But I, I think the, you know, that scene is crazy. Even now, like there's, there's moments. Uh, in in all of my films, but definitely my first and my third, where where you'll you'll see something like, well, this is crazy, and you're like, is that is this is this going to be okay? Yeah. And then like, I think in 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 this movie, especially in that scene, for example, how real and natural and honest they are with each other in the scene following yeah. when they're reacting to it is what brings everybody back in, and you kind of you know don't worry audience we're not going insane and let's keep moving forward these are real people uh but that moment when his ears falls off is bonkers but if the character's that worried about his uh prosthetic ear being visible it's surprising that he has such an ear exposing haircut which i appreciate I, I isn't it? <laughs> it doesn't add up it's it's a character haircut maybe but maybe thinks it's flattering the haircut's flattering no one could think that <laughs> <laughs> How did uh, Mark react when you told him how his character will look and, and you know, double denim? And he the wanted to actually. He wanted to wear the glasses that that um, Karin wears. He wanted to go. He mm. loves that. Uh, you know, American movie. You've seen that documentary. It's fa- it's a, a documentary called American Movie about a guy who makes a film who's in this small town in Indiana, uh, and he's just he's just this kind of shit kicking American guy who is so earnestly wants to make a movie called Coven about a bunch of witches, but he insists that it's called Coven, and no one understands why. He's like, no, mine's called Coven, and he's just that kind of guy. And Mark was just like, loves this character, and so he wanted, to, and he wears those kind of Arnau glasses, so he wanted to be less attractive. I mean, he would have looked a little bit dharma if it had those glasses, I think. He would have. He would have well, been you, more... want, you want to believe that she's going to fall for him. Like, you need, you need to at least be a yeah, viable yeah, yeah. partner for, for her, <laughs> and at a certain point, uh, that's going to end. So you just had to fight the hot, but... Only to a certain degree. Yes, we had to push back, but hold the hot in your hands, but not too tight. <laughs> American movie is not a good Google Age film title. No, yeah, like 30, you're right, 30 other films. Well, that's 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 the best it is really good. Scene. If any of you can find it, it's great. It's really great. If you can find it, a you thousand pages in. <laughs> did you, so you didn't get to keep the time machine? That, that went, but did you keep any props uh, from this movie? I kept the laser. 
That's what I got. And and we actually the, probably still looking for that. <laughs> no, you're so you don't know right. You are you are so right. Uh, I think they stole it. I, I like I know we're on a podcast, but our production designer. I, I remember seeing it and, and being like, "Oh man, if like that laser is the coolest thing. If I could just have that, that would be the best." And he was like, "We can't. Like, we'd, it would cost like forty thousand dollars. It's like a part of some machine. We can't have it." And then at the very end, they they gave me actually the box. Uh, and inside the box, they actually mounted the safe, unsafe light that that's on the time machine, mm-hmm. and that was that was a great gift. But then also he kind of he was like, "Colin, I got something for you." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, what is it?" And he like kind of slipped to me under my jacket. I'm like, "What what's happening right now?" So he just leave the state immediately, and we're fine. <laughs> Speaking as a a previous laser safety officer, I'm very disappointed. Yeah, I always wear sunglasses, right? <laughs> There's no laser in it. It's, oh, it's a laser casing. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I don't. I mean, we probably, so, probably safe then. Put, put yeah. the away, Martin. <laughs> no laser. No laser. <laughs> when when you said, "I know we're on a podcast just now," did you mean therefore you people will understand what it's like to work with no budget? <laughs> oh no. I, I meant that, like you know, I don't think the statute of limitations up for stealing that laser. <laughs> oh, yeah. the statute they're going to hear limitations about it. They're yeah. waiting outside for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same two guys in those big coats. <laughs> Safety Not Guaranteed is in the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, an excellent addition, our 22nd movie. Uh, oh. We'd like to ask a couple of questions at the end of the film. First one being, do you think this film could have been longer than 90 minutes? That this film could have been longer? No, it literally couldn't have been longer. <laughs> I know that for a fact. And I actually, like, I'm, if I went into this now, like, I could cut four minutes of air out of that movie in a day. Oh, which bits? Oh, just, I mean, just air, like the time it takes between people saying lines. And I think you just, you just sort of build up a certain, uh, you know, a kind of, of, you know, rhythm. A, a rhythm uh, as, as you, especially you start making studio movies that like no one's going to sit around and wait for one pauses second. that long between <laughs> sentences. Uh, and, and I love that it exists that way, but I, but just don't let me get my hands on it now. Cause it will be, it'll be 82. <laughs> in no time that's music to my ears <laughs> director's cut is that ever because some filmmakers do go back and recut their work is that ever tempting you like no it's done it's there it's a part of time i'll leave it yeah it's i, I don't i don't think i have that uh, i don't have that luxury i think it's what it is i don't even know if we'd be able to find if i wanted to open this back up i don't know if we have the means like i feel like it just it exists uh, as it is because i doubt there are certain areas like i wish i could go back and if they would let me do like a you know, a tenth anniversary Blu-ray or something. I would mm. go. I would do the DI again for sure. I mean, most directors' cuts them. are longer, and yours would be shorter. Yes, and slightly different colors in places. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those trees should be green. No. Nope. Yeah. Uh, Helen Martin, do you, would you like more of this if Colin uh, changed his mind and actually wanted to add four more minutes in? I don't think there, there's extra, there's not more footage, is there? So, <laughs> no, it, would just, it would just be them, like the actors standing around waiting for action to be caused. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch that, sure. Yeah, great behind the scenes. <laughs> story, story is told. I've never had a lot. I've never really had deleted scenes, like maybe one, like in any of the movies uh, that I've made. I've I've never. There weren't any for this. We've no. There's no deleted scenes for this, uh, and, and really any of them that didn't get shot or. Um, you know, maybe little bits, but no, like nothing, nothing really substantial. Um, because the, you know the script goes through its process. But once we had to go, we had twenty days. We had to, you know, we had to get it done, and and that's that's been the way with everything. I haven't done reshoots. I'm I'm sure that means that I'm gonna do them. And that's like a knock on wood <laughs> uh, kind of thing. But you know, we're very, 
you know, we, we, we come in on, you know, under budget uh, on everyone and on time. And we try to be, I have a very lunch pail attitude about getting <laughs> to make movies. Like I'm going to show up at work and thank you for giving us this money to make this and we will deliver for you. And I uh, hope to keep that. I would, I would like to say cut in which Jeff was less of a bell end, <laughs> but I suspect that would just involve cutting him from the movie apart from that one scene where he's doing thing, the thing with the collar. <laughs> yeah, you, there's probably certain lines that you could cut that yeah, would maybe. make him yeah, less maybe. of a bell I haven't heard bell end before. Like no. <laughs> I'm, Welcome I'm to that. England. I'm, doing yeah. that. I'm, doing that I'm assuming your children haven't learned that phrase yet. And bell so end. They, it, you can explain it to them it's later. It's not like offensive. They can say it at school mm. or no. no. Okay. <laughs> Martin. <laughs> You've corrupted the Trevoros. <laughs> it's been a very educational day for them. Uh, I think we probably need to wrap it up there because we are mm -hmm. running on time. And Helen and Martin are actually doing a show right after this. It's going to be fine. <laughs> You've obviously done lots of prep uh, for it or just, just watching the movie and doing this podcast. Sure. Yeah, that's how I like to warm up. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to do a bit of bit of end of podcast admin. So uh, we'd like to ask people where they can find you on social media and any projects you're working on currently. Let's start with Colin. <laughs> oh, um, I well, you can find I'm, you know, it's my name on social media. And uh, if you add Colin into things, he comes and guests on your podcast. I just show up. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you, they, that's how it happened. They said that we were uh, they were going to show the movie. And I, can I can I go? Yeah. Uh, I was I was very honoured. I, I thank you for showing it. Really, both of you uh, and all three of you. Thank you very much. Um, thank well, you for making it. Yeah, we didn't choose it because we thought it was shit. Well, I appreciate that. You never know. I didn't know what I was walking into. Um, and also, I may I'm not not going to be at the Empire podcast later. Uh, so if you want to come hang out, it's going to be cool. We're going to show something cool. Come check it out. You didn't hear it here first. You didn't hear it here first. You didn't hear it here first. <laughs> and Helen Martin, where can we find you on, on social media? Uh, my name, which no one can spell. Uh, <laughs> my name, which no one can spell. Is this a panel of people's names that no one can spell? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we bond. Uh, the Illusionist, Answer Me This, Veronica Mars, Investigations.com and org. <laughs> you can song. work it out. You've got Google. <laughs> song by Song podcast, Year of the Bird, uh, and yeah, The Illusionist as well. When you were uh, watching this and Kristen Bell pops up, you've just launched your Veronica Mars podcast. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, oh, will we eventually make a bonus episode about every film that Kristen Bell's been in? And uh, this will be a nice one to talk about in four years time or whenever that <laughs> we've exhausted the TV series. This is going to sound incredibly bitchy, but it's really nice to see Kristen Bell not looking like the same age she did when she made Veronica Mars. Because she doesn't seem to age, whereas in this she looked like age appropriate. She, you thought she, yeah, I, I she was just, like that a, was the first time I ever got to like shoot a movie star. And you can tell we shot it very differently. Yeah, like that was right. a day where it was like, no, no, we are lighting this. This is going to be, it's going to look perfect. Uh, and so they, once you walk into that house, you're in a different movie. <laughs> uh, so Colin, you've been in uh, the UK for uh, a few years now. Have you ever had uh, like an office birthday party where someone goes to a supermarket and buys you a cake? Uh, I, no, like the one in the film. Uh, no, like the one. Oh wait a minute. Under this shirt. Aww. <laughs> so Aww, thank you. Uh, a big tradition in the UK is to have an awkward birthday party in your office if you work in an office um, where someone goes to a supermarket and buys cake. The most respected brand is Colin the Caterpillar. <laughs> so we thought it was only appropriate, as it is your birthday boxing day, as, as Helen mentioned earlier, uh, to live, give you a souvenir. <laughs> is that something we can... Thank you. <laughs> do, we, do we have the tools to like share this as a group or, or no? It's just, just for us, Colin. Just okay. for us. Everyone wants to stay. 
I asked uh, them if they wanted me to buy enough for everyone in the room, and they said no. You can, <laughs> that's I, I you can make no. it work. I'm there was a heated WhatsApp conversation. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I tried on your behalf. I tried. Uh, so we should say a big thank you to Colin, to Helen, to Martin. say a big thank you to all of you for coming out for sticking with us for seeing this movie and for, for joining our live podcast thank you so much uh, and, a, and a huge shout out to the staff at king's place they've been amazing we've got kate there who's been doing all the tech uh, for us uh, we've got Jill, who's been uh, the manager of the room today we have to do a big shout out to zoe who who plans the, this whole festival and, and the event staff here sally and becca Uh, and I couldn't make this podcast without my wife, Louise, who's the pod producer in the front row. Um, and a big thank you to Sam Gilby, who's in here somewhere, who made this lovely artwork. And I think you've got a souvenir on your seats. Thank <laughs> um, uh, I think I thanked everybody there. So I just need to read out the end of the podcast. Can we say, and can we we'll... say thank you to Sam Clements for hosting? Oh, well. Oh. <laughs> And, and for letting us stay in your spare room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially uh, thanks for that. You're, you're, you're very welcome. Current house guests and podcast guests. <laughs> uh, so big thank you to everybody for listening. You can check out our back episodes on 90minfilmfest.com. That's 90minfilmfest.com. Or Apple Podcasts or Google. Everybody does that. Just put it in and, and see. We've got 21 episodes online, soon to be 22. Uh, a big thank you to Luke, who edits this podcast for us. To Martin, who makes the music for this podcast. And Sam, for our logo. We'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. Yes.